podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, what is going on? Welcome back to another podcast on TAT. Um, I'm with Ram once again. We did the last stream together. Um, was a bit happier than I think we're going to be today, but um, yeah, we have to talk about it. We have to talk about what happened yesterday. We've had uh, about just under 24 hours to, to think over and maybe look at a few things, but Ram, how are you, mate, first of all? And um, yeah, just how are you feeling right now, mate, over this whole shambles? Tired and I feel pathetic. That's what Liverpool succumb to, succumb to right now. I just feel very pathetic. Like Ali said it right there, pathetic. That is the best way to describe me today. I feel pathetic because of these certain players in our team that haven't are not performing and certain people within our football club as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the last probably the last four games have covered the cracks that are already open and people thinking that we may have a chance of strolling back into top four. <laughs> Never happens with Liverpool Football Club. We make things difficult for ourselves and that's how it goes. So yep. we'll chop it up and we'll see. We'll do we'll assess the damages that we we've done so far. Absolutely. Uh, we will do that. And today we're going to be discussing the game itself. Um, we're going to be talking about what went, well, I say what went right, but there wasn't much, but definitely what went wrong. Um, the weaknesses we have in our team, both defensively in the midfield and attack, because I believe there's issues everywhere. It's not just the midfield, which everyone is obviously alluding to. That's probably the main concern, but there's problems everywhere. And we've got stats and stuff to back that up. Um, and we're also going to be talking about Klopp. We're going to be discussing him and his input in what's happened and maybe some of his comments yesterday. Um, and then the Mateus Nunes uh, situation, which broke at halftime, which I don't think was the, the nicest of times to to tweet something as pathetic as that. But um, guys, there's 14 of you in there. Make sure you smash the like button, subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. And uh, yeah, let's get the show on the road, mate. So first of all, the game starts, the lineup comes out. Um, I I remember hearing from Grizz. He tweeted it this morning as well. So shout out Grizz if you're watching. He said that he's never felt defeated before when the Liverpool teams announced. But he said yesterday when that lineup was announced, he felt like this game is gonna be a defeat. And I thought, whoa, that's actually crazy because um, we've grown like as Liverpool fans over the last three, four, five years with this team. We go into every game winning. Like, there's no one that can come and beat us. And if they do, fine, fair enough. But now we're in the situation, mate, where our fans are looking at the lineups and thinking Brentford, and that's a loss. So, first of all, mate, how did you feel when you saw that lineup? Did you did you agree? Did you feel the same? Or did you think, you know what, it's not ideal, but we, we can get the win? Um, to be honest, <laughs> it's not going to sound great. I didn't even see the lineup before before <laughs> the game. It was like straight away, seven. it was 5.30. I was like, oh, crap, we're playing. Um, then I had a look about five minutes in. I was like, okay, this is going to be difficult because Brentford, first of all, the community, Brentford Community Stadium is, is probably one of the toughest grounds to go to mm-hmm. in the Premier League, especially where the way they are. The fans were incredible that game and it's difficult to get, uh, to get points from there. Where we saw it last season. We thought we would be getting three points. Next thing you know, they come back again. And again, so I I wasn't confident going into this game, even if we played a different midfield. It's Brentford. We have to put some respect on their name. And the way they play, especially at their home ground, is not ideal for us. And given the state that we're in, I didn't think we're going to do anything. Um, I still thought we could scrape a 1-0 or 2-1 win. But again, wishful thinking because yesterday didn't show anything uh, it is what it is but again i wasn't i wasn't optimistic about the game mainly because brentford are just a good team and we're just at this moment we're not convincing absolutely not mate and you know i i went to the leicester game uh, last week and I, I remember saying to my brother i said this to you on the terrace as well that if we play anything like that away at Brentford, you can forget it. You can absolutely forget any chance of winning the game, first of all, and even drawing the game because this, the warning signs were there literally a few days before in 
how we were playing, what the midfielders were doing, the chances that we were missing, the defending, it was all there. And I, I just can't see for the life of me why these issues weren't addressed. Think, okay, right. We're going to Brentford away, who are a better team than Leicester, especially at home. We've made these mistakes at home. We got away with it from two free goals, own goals. Now we need to kind of think, okay, we've got a one with one there and be better against Brentford. And we wasn't. We was worse, in my opinion. And um, we'll get on to the individual moments in the game, but I'm just going to get through some of your comments. Uh, this uh, one, Inzi, uh, it's probably not Inzi, I'm going to go with. To be honest, mate, I, I don't want to talk about Jude. I'm fed up. He's not. He if he doesn't want to come to this team, you can't. You honestly can't blame him. I hope he does. I still hope we go and get him. But if Jude Bellingham's looking at us right now, I don't want to go there. You can't blame the kid. Look, realistically, look, Ben, look at Madrid's midfield. But at this mm-hmm. moment, obviously, Kroos, Modric, and Schuermeni is the starting midfield. They got Camavinga as well, and Bellingham will be like, my midfield partners are sorted. Ten years from now, we're going to be playing with each other. Bellingham, Shuameni, and Kamavinga. Bellingham, like, Milner, Henderson. <laughs> who who have we got that is going to be playing next to Bellingham for the next ten years? Elliot, but he's not a centre midfielder, so I don't know what what we're going to do. I, I really, I'm not. I can't be asked for Jude. I can't be yeah, asked I, to talk about him, man. Really, the convert is just the same thing. We are people saying that he's going to come. Madrid's people are saying they're going to come. Let's just see what happens, I guess. And mm. like Ali says, I just want to focus on the team right now and get the wins, mate. But uh, thanks for tuning in, bro. Um, I will get on to more some more of the transfer rumor stuff a bit later on, but we need to discuss the game first of all, mate, because that's the most important thing. Um, I thought the first five ten minutes it wasn't too bad. We had that early chance with Nunes, and I know Terry yesterday got a, a screenshot of like the worst possible moment where it looks like Nunes has, has an open goal but when I watched it back and I remember watching it at the time it never felt like he had the ball under control ready to get the shot off it always felt like as soon as he touched the ball Ben Me was it was Ben Me wasn't it yeah he was yeah. already there on the line so look I'm not just trying to keep making excuses for Nunes because again there's a segment coming up in the stream in the podcast about the chances that we have missed and there's a, a lot to say about Nunes in that department but in that one particular moment um, I don't think it was an easy an easy situation for him What well, I don't know if you saw it differently mate I think he did everything right I think this pass from Salah was brilliant I think the mm. the touch to get away from David Rea was brilliant and the shot was on target it's just the fact that Ben Mee decided to do a madness and become Prime Carlos Puyo and clear it <laughs> off the line. I, I, I seriously can't think of anything else that Nunes could have done unless you're going to blast it into the roof of the net, which, again, is a risk because if you try and blast it in the roof of the net, it'll, pro- it'll probably go over the bar. So yep. I think he couldn't he couldn't do any more. I, I really couldn't. Um, and everything he did at that point before the shot was almost immaculate. But if you got defenders that do that, you just have to say fair play. Fair play to him. I agree. It just felt like he already read the situation. And once Nunes had gone around the keeper, he was already there for me. And it's just a shame as well, because we'll get onto it in a bit. But the one chance that he scores, it was a really good finish, but he was offside. So we, again, there's a lot to say about Nunes. And guys, keep your comments coming in and we'll talk about Nunes in a bit. But um all it took, mate, was 19 minutes for Brentford to get the lead against us. And this comes from a set piece, which, you know, it's so easy for Brentford to score goals. Just give them corners and they'll score. Um, so, but first of all, mate, the, the the thing where I think the goal came from, Virgil van Dijk against Mbwemo. Now, I said it, as soon as Virgil started chasing him, he ain't getting there. He's running in mud. And... I remember, mate, when this guy used to outpace players like Mbappe and Adama Traore and, you know, he could keep up with the quickest of players. And now Mbwemo's quick, but it's it's a, it's a worry for me seeing Virgil have nowhere near that same impact he once had, mate. I don't know if that's something you're looking at as well with Virgil. I don't know if it's to do with his ACL. I don't know. You know, everyone told me, oh, he's, he's saving himself for the World Cup. Well, that's all gone now. So... You know, if he was saving himself for the World Cup, then I expect prime Virgil to be back. And I think he started to play well for a couple of games, but yesterday it was back to the, the Virgil that kind of makes me sit here and worry and thinking, 
has that Virgil gone though? I think so. I think that was a mark of what we're going to see for the next couple of years. I'll give you a good example. Um, Mats Hummels. Mm. I think he's going to have the same trajectory as Mats Hummels. Um, and if anyone, anyone knows, Mats Hummels is one of, one of my favourite centre-backs back in the day. I used to love Mats Hummels because um, he was, was, he was big, he was strong and dominant. But he could also keep up with so many strikers. Then once he had that injury, I think it was 2014-15, a couple of series of injuries, his pace was gone. And when he went to Bayern, he was never the same player. And then when he went back to Dortmund, he was never the same player. And I think it's the case Virgil is having the same situation as Mats Hummels had. In his peak, in both their peaks, they were unstoppable they were war. They were incredible, but now, once they do have a serious injury, then they change. They they're no longer the same player. Um, and that yesterday, the way this acceleration, getting trying to get into that starting sprint, like it's it was it was so bad. Look, I mm. felt sorry. I felt I actually felt. So, I was like, what has happened to you? Like you, you're not, you don't, you're not that slow. You're actually very quick, but it's just, it looks so bad. It looks so bad. And I think it's just a case of he's getting older and he hasn't got the pace that he used to have. Maybe the injuries have accelerated that probably. Oh, so now 100%. he needs to focus on another th- on other things, his positioning, his organization of his, of his feet, that those stuff will help long, long prolong his career. The, the injuries are 100% a, a big factor here. Like, there's absolutely no doubt in my mind. Um, Virgil's only 31, and, you know, in his PFA season where he won that, the UEFA Player of the Year, which seems a long time ago now, um, and he was getting into, you know, team of the seasons on a regular basis and all of that. You're thinking this guy could, with the attributes he has, play, what, 36, 37? Still, at, like, look at Thiago Silva. But now I'm looking at him and thinking this guy like is just a shadow of the player he was and I'm really hoping he can get back to it because we know how good he was he's he's the best centre-back I've ever seen at Liverpool and there's conversations where you could put him up there with the greats you know the Alan Hansons of this world and you know he he has a strong case for that and he still does by the way just you know that three or four peak, year peak was better than anyone I've seen especially at Liverpool but you know the longevity thing comes into it and let's just see what happens because maybe you know, when the team gets better, which we're all hoping it does, he will slowly come back to himself. And, you know, you, you also have to factor in that, you know, the midfield's not doing its job, the players next to him aren't doing their job. And there's so many, like, reasons as to why. But when you're just looking at those foot races that Virgil used to win nine times out of ten, if not ten times out of ten, he's not doing that anymore. And that's a worry for me because, like I said, he was pacing the most quickest players in the league and, He's not even pacing players that aren't even top 10 anymore. So it's, um, it is a worry. Ben, I mean, given the situation with our centre-backs, I, I said this on, on the Terrace group chat. If um, if Sepp didn't get, it didn't destroy his ankles, I would have I would have told and made Klopp recall him back from Schalke because that's how bad our centre-backs have been this season. <laughs> Like, I, I, th- th- this is how desperate I got because Sepp is a kid. He's still learning. He's the whole point of him going to Schalke. And to be fair to him, when he was at Schalke, he was doing quite well before that injury. Mm-hmm. He, and then to call him back in a situation like ours, I didn't want to do it. But our, our centre backs, all of them, even, I mean, Konate, yes, it was his first. Really, really poor performance. Um, Matip, it's been on and off this season. Sometimes it can be great. Sometimes it can be absolutely poor. Then Gomez is just... Gomez has that calamitous moment every game, every time he steps onto the field. And Virgil's not been the same. And I'm like, who else can we go to? Like, Mm. Klopp doesn't trust Nat. So the only option is recall set. Because we can't... We don't have anyone else that is playing at a level that is expected of Liverpool Football Club. And I was like, let's track on the youngsters now. 
Because if, if, if they I can't agree. be asked, then what's the point? I, I, I agree. I, I 100% agree. Uh, but let's, let's move on a bit, mate. Um, they get a goal disallowed from a corner again. Um, I think it's Wisser who's offside. And at that point, mate, you know, before it's disallowed, we're thinking we're 2-0 down. The moment of relief when the VAR came in and intervened and gave it offside, I was like, oh, okay, we're, you know, we've got a wave one here. Let's react, let's respond, let's think, okay, we've got a chance now. Didn't happen, did it? And another corner came and another goal came. <laughs> and uh, this one was onside. The ball goes in, um, you know, Wait, it, it was wasn't no. It was second, the again. second, yeah. Sorry, they had two disallowed, didn't they? I'm, on, yeah. I'm actually on about the goal here. That wasn't from a corner, was it? That was just a, a cross into the box. Um, well, the yeah. two corners that were um, the two goals that got disallowed. You think, you know what? Let's wake up now. Let's, you know, get our our backsides into gear. And then, um, yeah, for their goal, mate. What what is the reason for you? Because again, people are, are taking pictures of Trent. People are saying that, oh, he's got to do better in that. But it's that same situation where he's doubled up on for me. And as good as I think Trent Alexander-Arnold is, you know, all, as an all-round player, um, I think defensively in the last few games, he has been very good. And, you know, the, the same people that criticise him for be, not being able to defend or supposedly not being able to defend, they don't seem to be giving him the praise for when he actually does that. Uh, but in this case, mate, except Ter- I just, oh, you know, I, I have to say Terry has Terry to an extent has. Terry, yeah, he t- likes Terry to have a go at him. But, but yeah, um, yeah I, I don't think it was on him this one. I, I think it was a whole the the, the whole this, we mate we've seen this so many times, haven't we? This season alone, where the ball comes in and there's about three players not doing the job. Do you know what is the big reason why it's not him? Because Fabinho is in the playing in the back five. Fabinho, if Fabinho's in the back five, then you can have a case. But if they if 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 Fabinho, if sorry, if Fabinho wasn't in the back five and he was in front, like in the edge of the box, then you could have a case. There is no case for me that Trent Alexander Arnold is at fault for that goal. Um because Trent, if you look at if you look at the screenshots again, Fabinho was on his man, but Canate mm. was too touch tight to Fabinho instead of his own man. So if he went a couple yards further back, everything would have been fine because he would have had a perfect position for him to uh, challenge for the ball and head it away. But because Trent is marking, I think it was Vitaly Yanel who's behind him, he has every right to be like, I need to focus on Yanel. Konata, you need to focus on Visa. Um, and we saw what happened. Konate mistimed his header and mistimed his jump and couldn't get the ball, couldn't head the ball. And then Viso got onto it. And to be fair, I I swear this game, Allison tried his utmost to mm. make sure it didn't go in the net. It's just unlucky. But you can't, you can't, you can't ask him to save every damn shot he faces. No. Like he, it was a, was it was that Visa one in the in the corner, the first corner that they got disallowed. I think he said about Ethan Pinnock's header. Then he. Then he saved his rebound, then his second rebound, and then Visa ends up scoring in the net. And he's like, what am I supposed to do? Like, what am mm. I supposed to do? I can't do everything. I'm not flipping Superman. and I can't go from one side of the net to the other. And then, and then was it? It was uh, Visa's own goal. And to be fair, he's the guy that pointed out it came off Ben Mee. It, can't, it shouldn't be a goal. But... I I just feel sorry for I feel sorry sorry for Alison. Right. Yeah. Listen. There's a whole thing coming up. Um. We're gonna get get into with the the chances conceded. But I think that, that that's a good point, mate. Um. This man has just done way too much this season. He's he's gonna be our player of the season again. I'm pretty sure he was oh, man yeah. last season. So many people said Mo Salah, but it was Alison for me. So um. Yeah. I was on that. I was on that train since I think it was that Crystal Palace game. I was like. Big up the boys on Coppish because I did their player ratings. And whenever, when people say, obviously, Salah had that incredible moment from November to December, Alisson was also doing his thing during that period. But because Salah scored the goals and got those moments, people mm. forget how good Alisson was. And look, I said he should have been player of the season. I think this should have been the first time a goalkeeper should have been player of the season. But 
forwards always get the glory rather than the goals. Yeah, he, he, he's by mile, and I don't think anybody would argue with this, our most consistent player. Like, you know, he, okay, he might have the bad one or two bad games a season, but it's never usually more than two or three. Um, and obviously the, the, his worst form was when he had so much stuff going on personally, which I think, you know, we can all understand that. Mm. Um, and apart from that, I've not really seen a, a, a bad run of form from Alisson that I have in other goalkeepers. So 100%, we are so blessed to have him. And to be honest, mate, he probably deserves better than this. This man should be winning Champions League after Champions League, cementing himself up yeah. there with the great goalkeepers. And he, he is for me, but, you know, <laughs> I just hope at the end of his career, especially with us, his, um, his honour list will... I, I don't want to... I don't want to make an Alisson loving show, but I said this on the terrace. Ability-wise, Alisson is top five goalkeepers in the Premier League of all time. Top five for me. And mm. people looked at me a little bit funny being like, hang on a minute, that's, that's mad. How can you say top five? And I'm like, not career-wise, ability-wise, he's top five. He's better than Van der Sar. And he's, he's in the conversation with Peter Schmeichel and... Petr Cech, who's seen as the number one and number two goalkeepers. So, and people looked at me like, you're mad because he hasn't won the trophies like those and they haven't, he hasn't won, hasn't got the longevity as them. And longevity is fine because I, I agree, Alison Becker for me is a late bloomer of a goalkeeper because he came around about 26, 27. Um, but if we're talking on pure ability in terms of all the attributes of a goalkeeper, I think only Peter Schmeichel arguably tops him or in or tops him in certain attributes and mm. and is more or less neck and neck. I think Petr Cech yeah. is just just in terms of overall I think yeah. just Alisson tips it but Petr Cech stop stopping his reflexes everything was incredible so I have to give it to him so it's a, it's a, it's a great it's a great point mate and he's He's a hundred percent the best we've we've had in my lifetime. Obviously, there's again there's other ones from the, back in the day, but um, yeah, um, we we think we've got our goal. Um, an amazing ball from Thiago. You know, I'd love him to play those balls when Nunes is onside, but there it is. Um, and Thiago, I thought was a, a kind of a hot and cold game yesterday, but Nunes with his pace, he actually finishes it this time. Unfortunately, the flag goes up and you just sat there thinking, is it ever going to happen for Darwin Nunes? Because, again, he's missed that chance early on. He's finally got this one, but it's offside. And I don't want to get too much into Nunes right now but because, you know, we, we spoke about him a lot on the last show and I think our opinions still say the same. Me and you are still confident that this guy's going to be the real deal at some point. Um, but at that point, mate, like I don't know about you, but I just felt like... Yeah, this is this is just not meant to be. This is just not meant to be. But um, <laughs> we do get a goal, and it comes from an amazing Trent Alexander on a ball with his left foot, by the way. And Oxley Chamberlain. It's ironic because you know we all sit here say, "Oh, he's not good enough. He's the one that scored." And I'm not saying that justifies his performances because again, I don't think he's good enough. Um, but after that, mate, again, it's the same principle as I mentioned earlier. You finally got a bit of luck. You finally got a bit of joy. Now let's press. Now let's go all out. Now let's go and win this game. Like Liverpool used to do, by the way. When a team had a lead against us, if we got a goal back, I was always confident that, you know, we're going to get the win here. I didn't see anything change in that performance, mate. We went back to the first half. We went back to playing as Liverpool in the first half. The passing was slow. No in ingenuity, no invention, no dynamism from anybody it's all sideways backwards dilly dallying on the ball and I'm like are we just ever gonna do anything we got the goal we aren't beyond the ascendancy are we gonna do something now and we didn't I don't remember a good chance we had on goal after the after we scored oh, I, I can tell you I can tell you all the ones that we had before all the ones that like the Nunes chance. I think Salah had a chance. I'm not saying Salah. Ox, mate, uh, Robertson ran behind the defence and put a good ball in, which was defended well by Brentford. I can name you all that. That was before the goal. After the goal, absolutely nothing. Nothing at all. And I don't even think Brentford really changed that much 
after the goal. It's mainly after like 80th minute, they were like, okay, fine, we're going to see out the game and play on the counter. Mm-hmm. I didn't think they changed a lot. And that's what really got me annoyed because we didn't, we didn't offer anything after that. And that's where we're like, Liverpool of old would do everything to get the win or draw yep. at least. And I didn't see that. I didn't see that at all. And I'm not, I, I wasn't happy at all about it. Just that we gave up, I think. A hundred, that, you know, you took the words right out of my mouth, mate. It just felt like, you know, the first few moments I had the ball after the goal weren't going our way and they just kind of lost concentration, motivation, and it just, you know, oh, this is gone now. And again, like, I'm not going to say I would have been happy with a point, but even a point, like, even to just get one goal, to like, okay, fine, no one's going to sit here celebrating, no one's mood's going to be any different if we get a point or if we lose. Uh, even if we won, I think we'd still be sat here saying the same things. But even just to go and get a point in that situation, how long was left? Half an hour? It's like, why have we not seen mm. any changes? Liverpool used to, like that. Like we've both said here, go and like, take it up five gears when they've got that goal, when they, they smell blood. That's what we were the best at. And teams used to be so scared to play against us. Teams used to fear us. First game I can think, sorry, Ben. First thing I can I think know. of was Aston Villa away. Robertson mm-hmm. scored in the 88th minute. Sadio Mane mm-hmm. scored in the 94th minute. Never happened uh, in the season. I can't see. Yeah, absolutely. Unless, unless Alisson goes up for a corner, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Like, yeah. honestly, I'm honestly, the that Nottingham Forest game, I remember, I was like, you know what? I think we can score because Alisson's going up. Alisson's going up. His aura of being like, I scored a goal, I could do it again. And he almost did to an extent. So mm. I'm like, I only feel that like 90th minute goal if Alisson's going up to, to score a goal. That's it. Are, that's how pathetic this is. That's how that's how town bad, bad we are. Mm. And you think of the players that we have, Konate scoring goals, score goals for fun in the Champions League last season, in the FA Cup semi-final. Van, da- Van Dijk, the most dominant aerial presence. In he's the never Premier scored League. enough goals for me, man. Even in his, he has, when he's in the best of his people. Nottingham peak. Forest was on him. I'm sorry, Nottingham Forest yeah, was on him. He had two chances. Um, yesterday, in terms of defensively, was on him. I mm-hmm. And we missed that a lot. The only goal we scored from a corner was against Bournemouth when it was 5-0. Are you kidding wow. me? And with the height we have in our team as well, that's just that's just pathetic. Right? Mm. You know, Brentford, all due respect to them, they've done incredibly well coming up from the championship, keeping pretty much the same spine of the team. Yeah. Thomas Frank, absolutely incredible manager. But they are smarter than us from set pieces. Brentford, like how Liverpool Football Club, one of the biggest clubs in the world, how have we not got that in, in, invention in us or that imagination to do something else? rather than just one of our fullbacks walk over and hoof a ball into a box and hope for the best. How are we not being able to come up with clever ideas to get goals and set pieces? Because to be fair, we used to. I remember we getting a set piece was a big thing for us, like, you know, not so long ago. But now it's just like, ugh, be prepared for a goal kick or something like, you know, it's just going to be the possession given away. Um, but let's get on to their third goal, mate, because there's some more stuff we need to discuss. Simple ball over the top. I thought at first Canate did well to keep up and to get goal side and to, I don't know what he, he was going to do after that point, but he just fell over. And that's the bottom line. I, I was waiting for the contact when I seen the replays and I thought any minute now you're going to see him get clipped. It doesn't happen. And then you've got Jurgen Klopp coming out in the, in the press after the game, crying about it, saying it shouldn't have been allowed. I don't know if you saw it any differently to me, mate, but... I just think it was pathetic from Canate. And like you said, it was his first really, you know, bad game for us yesterday. Um, I've not seen him play like that in a Liverpool shirt, but I just thought he fell over. And to be fair, like the comments that Klopp said after the game were just really, really bitter. Canate mm. is six foot five or six foot four or something like that. And Boyan is about five ten. I'm sorry, you are not allowed. The, the way Canate is built <laughs> as well, you're not allowed to get bullied by someone like Mbwemo. The rear the referee is not going to give you a free kick for something like that. They, he will look at you and he'll look at Mbwemo and it's like, you shouldn't be getting out muscled by him. 
and yeah. there and I looked at it, it was like there's no contact. I, I knew there was gonna not gonna be any contact. He, we all knew he was gonna play for the foul. Every, as soon as he let the ball bounce onto the onto the pitch, then we knew, yeah, it's definitely is is gonna be a sticky one for him. And mm. it was, and we have to I don't know. I really, I really don't I really don't know what to say. But it was just shambolic. This is, this is the thing, mate. Like, Matic's performances in the last two games was all crying for Kanate to come back in. Now I don't have a clue who I want to start. Nat Phillips. I'd give him a go against Wolves. See if he can do any better. You know what I mean? Yeah. You go Phillips, Kanate against Wolves. Give Kanate another chance because, like we said, it was just a one-off game, hopefully, and see what happens. But if, if, that, <laughs> if Nat Phillips is starting for us, then that is mad and the other guy should be sold immediately because that is just crazy that we're having I, to do that. Like, I tell you this, in terms of performances in 2022, when we came back from the World Cup, who's had the best centre-back performance, defensive performance, display, other than that Villa game? I have to put a caveat to that. Mm, I'm not sure. Nat Phillips. Oh, Nat, Nat Phillips. Phillips against City. Oh, yeah, he was actually right in that game. He was very you know good that game. Probably the only mistake he had was that he mistimed his leap for the third goal. Mm. And to be fair... He was already marking his own man and shouldn't be expected to to head away a deep cross from someone and someone should be marking their run, um, Henderson. But mm. yeah, the less said, the better. Yeah, and look, we'll get onto a couple more general conversations that I've got lined up. But my mate Kev says, um, give Shirley from the cantina going next game. It's actually Carol and Caroline. Karen, Li- Liverpool legends. So um, respect Carol and Caroline. Um Mate, I've got some images. There was an article that Paul Joyce put out and the, we're just going to talk about Liverpool in general because like I said at the start of the pod, I believe that everyone's so obsessed with the midfield and yes, 100% that is the biggest weakness. But there's so many more areas where we're really struggling at the minute and it's just formed this big collective and that is why we aren't winning as many games as we should. And it starts from here, mate. There's a graphic on the screen. I don't know if you guys can see that. Um, I don't know any other way to zoom into it. But this graphic basically shows um, the chances that we've faced. And as you can see, there's only Leeds and Fulham above us. Now, let me just remind you, Fulham just came up and Leeds have been relegation fodder for a few seasons. So, yeah, 55 for Leeds, 54 for Fulham. And this is for the guys that are listening on Spotify, by the way. I'm reading these out. Uh, Liverpool are third on 51, mate. And then, <laughs> look, on the other side, there's Nottingham Forest on 41, Southampton on 40, Villa on 40, Palace on 37. We are amongst these teams, mate, that, you know, you wouldn't be surprised if they got relegated. So, first of all, mate, what are your thoughts on that? And why is that happening? Alison Becker deserves an MBE. I don't know mm-hmm. if he's allowed to get an MBE. I feel so sorry for him. As soon as I see 51 big chances faced for our goalkeeper, who probably is expecting to face around about 20, 20 or 30 maximum, and I need to be pushing it with 30, or 51 big chances. It's not like some pot shots from 35 yards out. It's probably shots within the box. Mm-hmm. Why is it that our goalkeeper have to do that? There's a reason why. There was also the reason why I said Alisson should have got player of the season. Because the amount of big chances he saved for us. Like I can name it off every single game, every time he saved it last season. And why I've been crying saying that this guy should have got it instead of Salah. And now we're seeing that mm-hmm. it's been it's been blown out of proportion. Like this compared to last season was not as bad. But this, uh, this, this season, is already more, I think, than last season. 100%. That is yeah, yeah. now the whole of last season, and this is not even halfway through. Like, I don't think any goalkeeper should be expected to face 50 shots from an elite team. <laughs> 50, sorry, 50 goal scoring opportunities. Mm-hmm. How many goals have we conceded this season? About 20 or 30, 25? In the league. Uh, yeah, we have conceded 22. 22. So basically... Newcastle have conceded 11, just for context. Yeah, so basically in context, with the big chances faced and 22 goals conceded, 
29 of them Allison saved or has intervened in. That is mad. How is this possible? And what do you think? Because, I, like I say, it's the midfield, it's everything. What, like, how, first of all, how would you think we solved this? Is it as simple as going out buying a Moises Caicedo, or is it a system change? Does Klopp need to do revamp. something? A system revamp because people are saying 3 4 3. Do you agree with changing the shape? I don't see how 3 4 3 is going to help. I feel like we'll just get even more exposed. The problem is we're losing our midfield battles. Take one midfielder out, we are definitely going to get overrun in midfield. I, I don't see how we're going to do that. The big problem is we play the stupid high line, like stupid, stupid high line, and then we don't have the play. Well, we do have the players, but the problem is the players do not retain the ball well. They try to do something, and as soon as they turn it over, we are ready to get exploited by that. The whole point of playing the high line at a certain point is that you need to hope that your midfield or your forwards do not play stupid balls, stupid hospital balls that gives possession away needlessly. You hope, you hope that you open teams up, play quick football, and that in hopes that you can get a chance or create a chance for you to score a goal. The problem is, when we do give the ball away, we give it away in such diff, in such needlessly needless areas, and it will hurt us because all they need to do is play one straight ball or one ball to their striker. They will hold it up, and someone from midfield just runs across, and then they're already through on goal. Like, I, I, I don't know. I think a system revamp needs to happen. I think this high line. With the players that we have right now, they can't do it anymore. That's exactly the point. Exactly the point. Because people go on about this high line and whatever. And, you know, we've been playing this high line for four, four or five years now. This isn't a new thing. Like I feel like people think it's just coming over the last couple of seasons. We were at our absolute best when we played this high line. You know, mm. when Virgil van Dijk was in the peak of his power, Henderson could actually move, you know, he'd be playing right back when Trent bombs forward and every time we got countered, Henderson would be there filling in. You don't see that happen anymore. Virgil's getting outpaced now. We didn't see that happen ever. And you're right. It's I think it's ran its cause and I don't know what the solution is. I'm not clever enough in terms of tactics to, to think, okay, Liverpool have these players. This is what we need to do. That's Jürgen's job. That's Pep's job. They have to make that decision. And, you know, we saw Klopp change things to like a, a 4-2-3-1 or 4-4-2 this season. Maybe worked or didn't work for a couple of games. Like you say, now we, we need to see something change properly because... Go on. Sorry. sorry no, no, it's, it's fine. Go ahead. The only answer I can give in terms of system change that I know that would work is going forward. 4-4-2, I think it would work. Because I think Darwin Nunes plays better when Salah is around him. Mm. He doesn't like it when Salah is nowhere near him. He look, He's so isolated without anyone near him. And we saw how he played at Benfica. Like Benfica, he had Rafa Silva, who's a pacey technical player who would run around him or, or, or play one-twos with him or would create the space so that he could get an opportunity. I feel as though the only way we could do, we could get him in a really good situation and probably in a good vein of form is by playing something that he's so he's used to and playing Salah with him, I think will also benefit Salah as, as well because Salah will have someone to play, play with um, and allow him to move the ball around a lot quicker with somebody else. And then it wouldn't force him to go wide to pick up the ball and expect him to dribble past a couple of players and then play a one-two and then get in a position to score. It's a lot more simpler mm. for him. And maybe we could also see Harvey Elliott do better as well, because he likes to hug that touchline. Mm. Make him play in that right midfield spot, maybe he might do might do the job. I, I think, agree. personally, it could work. But does it work defensively? I don't know. But going it, forward, it, I mean, in theory, it works for me. What, what have we got to lose? Realistically, you know what I mean? There's nothing to lose. We're already shambles. Top four is, it's on-ish, but, you know, nowhere near as much as it would have been had we won yesterday. 
Um, so we haven't got anything to lose, really. Um, it's better to take a gamble and to see if we can change things up than to keep the same system, the same stale tactics, and to get further and further away. Um, moving on to the other end of the pitch, mate. Failing to convert. Uh, Liverpool have scored less than their expected XG in six of their last nine Premier League games. Brentford, Leicester, Villa, Southampton, Spurs, Leeds, Forest, West Ham, Man City. That's a worry. Um, a lot of people will pin this on a lot of it on Darwin Nunes, and I guess this is where we have to talk about him. And then the next one, similarly, lack of ruthlessness. No team has had more big chances in the top uh, 22-23 than Liverpool. But their conversion rate is the worst in the league at 27.6%. Um, again, you look at the teams that are around us, Everton, Forest, Leicester, Southampton, and it just, it with, with the attacking power that we have on that we thought we had, mate, that's a worry, isn't it? 100%. 100%. We, uh, if you go off those stats right now, we've got double the amount of chances created um, than your likes of Forest, your Everton, your Leicesters, and your your Southamptons. But for some reason, we cannot score a goal. Maybe, and I think a big part of it, and I think this is a pretty damning stat as well, is that Darwin Nunez has has fi- missed 15 big chances. Mm-hmm. But also, our best player, Mohamed Salah, has missed 12. Thank you. Which people won't talk about. Thank because... You. It's Mohamed Salah. Mm-hmm. And to be King. fair, to be fair, Mohamed Salah has been earned a right to, to not have as much criticism towards him because of what he's done for the last couple of And the standards are higher, no? But you put you took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> Ty, there's new information. He's on three hundred thousand pounds a week. He's been mm. asking for that kind of money. And now he has to be a player that would be like, yeah, I'm the best play, well, I'm best paid player at Liverpool Football Club. I earn sure. double the amount of Alison Becker and Trent Alexander-Arnold. I will prove to you why I earn double the amount of those lot. And mm-hmm. missing 12 chances is not good enough. Mm-hmm. For Darwin Nunez, uh, 15 is, is extortionate. It's too much. Oh, it's still nowhere near it's good stinky. enough. It's so stinky. Mm-hmm. But I expected him to miss chances because... Like I said, the expectations of I had with Darwin Nunez was that sometimes he will look amazing and sometimes he will look like a donkey. That's the mm. nature of Darwin Nunez in his first season. That's what I thought was going to happen. Um, so I kind of expected it, not from our best player, slash, some people want to say our greatest ever Premier League player. <laughs> so expectations are high. You've done what you've done and given yourself a reputation of being this incredible player. So there are standards that we need to keep. And missing 12 chances mm-hmm. for the calibre player that you are, not good enough. Not good enough. Not good I enough agree. And we're not we're not here taking digs at Salah to justify Nunes at all. What we are saying is that, you know, when, when we're in the mud like we are now, we expect our leaders, we expect the greatest players that we've seen in the Premier League to turn up and to deliver. And there's a comment here from Ali A, which I, I'm sorry, mate, but I've got a response this, but why is Pep Lynch just having, and Klopp having Salah on the touchline? Ram just said the start, 12 big chances. So he still had the chances, whether he's, he's starting on the touchline or not. And then uh, Ali goes on to say, he isn't an out-and-out winger. We need him closer to goal. Well, I remember last season, mate, in spaces, and I thought the was better than Prime Hazard, Prime Neymar. Show it. Show it because respectfully, if, if if you're better than those guys, you should be able to, you know, play out on the wing and it won't affect your game too much, in my opinion. Um, by the I way, didn't, didn't we mm. also say the reason why so many people started to say he's better than Aiden Hazard, which including myself, was that we're seeing a lot a more complete Mohamed Salah, a player that is starting to create chances as well, alongside Scorden. Mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't think we should be pushing pushing him out wide. I think we should no. like my 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 opinion is I think we should play him with Darwin Nunes because I think it will get the best out of both of them. Um 
And I think he'll also get the better. It'll also be a good situation for Harvey Elliott now that he's no longer in that middle of the park and mm-hmm. expected to do that much running. So I, I get that. But we also saw his capabilities last season. And is it so much to ask of him to recreate that? No. Not for me, no. For me, no. If you want to be the best player in the world or if you want to be up there with your Lewandowski's, your Benzema's and players like that, it's not It's not too much to ask. You know what I mean? That's how I see mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. We're going to move on to some transfer news, mate. Again, I used to this a bit earlier on. Um, Matthias Nunes, it came out. Let me get the exact tweet up so that I can... Say word for word. Um, just give me a second. But at half time in the game yesterday, it came out that um, Liverpool are looking to bring in my face Nunes. And on the face of it, I'm thinking, okay, is not the midfielder that I think we'd all want right now. But he's, he's you know, he, he's better than, or he should be better than what we have at least. But then as I, re- I read into it, mate, this thing's not for now. It's not for January 2023. It would be for the summer, which is ridiculous to me because we had the chance to go and get Mateus Nunes. And I, I kept telling people on, the, on, on Twitter, if we don't get Mateus Nunes, it's because they don't believe he's the right player. It's because they want someone else and we'll go and get someone else who is either better or better suited. But I was wrong because now apparently we've let Mateus Nunes go to Wolves for 40 whatever million. And there's apparently a clause in his contract where Liverpool get the first refusal to buy if he wants to move on. And apparently we're looking to trigger that. But in the summer, which just goes to show, Ram, how pathetic our club has ran from top to bottom. Why would you wait uh, six months for him to go to Wolves? And that's for real. He's not exactly set the Premier League alight. I don't think he's played an awful amount of minutes. And now you're going to go and sign him for more money when we could, and by the way, if we get him in January, if we get a deal announced or confirmed for the summer or whatever, he can't play the season anyway because that would be three clubs, right? Sporting, Wolves, and now us. I think he already played a game for Sporting before he went. So he can't play if we get him now, which just makes me think: How who's running this club? Who's having the say in these decisions to allow Wolves to get the players that we are interested in, and we miss out? One thing's for sure. Uh, Jurgen Klopp wanted a midfielder this summer. I I strongly believe he did. Um, if you look at some of the uh, what's it called the the journalists out there, um, the the news about Conrad Lima, mm-hmm. how Liverpool wanted to have made an inquiry, they wanted to sign him. They made big steps in wanting to sign Conrad Lima, but Leipzig were like. I know we we've had good relations, but you've left it too late. Because if he came in August, if he came, sorry, if he came in June or July, we would have one hundred percent let 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 you go and get Lima. But now you left it until the last day. And then Mateus Nunes, yes, I think I think Mateus Nunes um, was waiting for us. He was because I think he thought he, he was at the level to play for uh, Liverpool Football Club. Um, and it and turns out we didn't really want him in the end. And then I know, no, I know, Eunice, I know, Eunice, you're saying Conor Lyman's injury prone. I think we only need him for 20 games a season, no, to be honest. 20 games a season is that so much to ask? And even when he, even if he, even if he does get injured. I don't want him to start every single game. I want him to be the kind of backup player for someone like, if we do end up getting him, Drew Bellingham or someone mm-hmm. of like Mateus Nunes' standard. But then we go and we dilly-dally. Then we end up saying, oh, Arthur Mello is the, the guy that we want. I'm like, <laughs> Me- Arthur Mello is not the kind of player Klopp wants. Yeah, maybe Arthur Mello of 2018-19 where he had legs and he had incredible talent and potential. Not Arthur Mello 2022 who went to Juventus and looks a shell of a player that he is. And, and it's been well documented that he cannot cope with a high-intensity system. 
He couldn't mm. cope with Maurizio Sarri's system, which is all about regaining possession from the ball and and playing patiently. He won't cope. He won't cope with Liverpool with Klopp system, which made no sense at all. But then people will say, "Oh no, but he's the perfect perfect replacement for Thiago." I I knew from the start. And I think everybody, yourself included, Ben, everyone knew this smelt like a smelt a lot like Saul for Chelsea last season. Mm-hmm. It smelt it. It stunk. But certain people didn't want to believe it. And now mm-hmm. look what we have to do. We're now scavenging around for a player. Even look, Eunice, Eunice took the name right out. Dennis Zakaria. If anyone's watched Dennis Zakaria, a DM, he sucks. He sucks as a DM. But as a, a centre midfielder whose main priority is to cut off passing lanes and re- recycle possession, he is that guy. Why did we not go for him is beyond me. I Even when he was uh, at Borussia Mönchengladbach, I said we should have got him. I think he could be... I think if we don't get him, it could be another Leon Goretzka moment where we miss out on a decent player. I was turned out he's nowhere near the level of Leon Goretzka, but he's still a decent player and he still would have done the job for us. Mm. Like, why? Why? We went to Juventus. We went to Juventus looking for a midfielder and we got the midfielder that doesn't suit our system. But the other midfielder that suits our system it was still at Juventus and now is at Chelsea. Make it make sense, please. Please make it make sense. It's, it doesn't make sense. And, you know, we were all told that when Shaw Many died down after he went to Real Madrid, that Liverpool would look for players in that similar profile. Obviously, Zakaria is nowhere near as good as Shaw Many. But, you know, you can see some similarities perhaps to the game. And, you know, we just, as soon as we... Well. Exactly, and as soon as we lost out on our main targets, it just felt like they said, okay, fine. That's just Curtis Jones, James Mourner, Oxlade Chamberlain, Harvey Elliott. Um, And it just felt like they thought quantity is quality, and we all know it's not. We've got so many players on our books that shouldn't be here, that should have been moved on a long time ago. Um, And again, we are putting all our eggs into the Jude Bellingham basket. These guys better pray that Jude is sensible enough to think this is just one season for Liverpool. These guys better hope that because if we've waited all this time, two years in the making for Jude Bellingham's red carpet arrival to Anfield and it doesn't happen because of one season where we say we we don't get top four, you know, that's on them. That's on the owners. That's on whoever made these decisions. Because I've seen a lot of Pep Linger's slander in here as well. Maybe he has an input. I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and pretend I know. But, mate, if, if after all this time we've waited for Jude and he doesn't come, that we need to make sure... We call out every single person that's responsible we for are, this shambles. We are relying on Jude, Jude's family being Liverpool fans and him <laughs> idolising Steven Gerrard as a player. That's what it's come to. That's what we're hoping. Unless that, we get that, top four, then I think he'll come. If we get top four, oh, he'll yeah. come. Yeah. And obviously we have Arab owners at the same time, hopefully by then, oh, whether it be Arab owners or someone that has money. Don't Don't hold your breath on that one, mate. Like is 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 I don't I'm I'm not sure what we're gonna do. I don't know when this new owners are gonna come. Hopefully, come sooner rather than later. But mm-hmm. just just I'm just want to quickly say I don't want to drag anyone out. But Mohammed, no. um, you said that certain players aren't Liverpool quality. Did we think Genie Wijnaldum was gonna be Liverpool quality? Did we think Andrew Robertson was gonna be world class? Like we don't know until they are tested and we're not asking them to be starters for the next three or four seasons we want them mm. just to be there just to just to make sure the damage doesn't doesn't collapse make sure the house doesn't collapse because right now the, the the ceiling is leaking there's water on the floor there's mold <laughs> everywhere and there's live wires everywhere and there's no no form of insulation the house is a dump and all we need is trying to make it seem livable. And that's what the players of your likes of Nunez's, your Zakaria's, your Conrad Lyman's, that's what we needed. Yeah. I get it. If we went and got those players and then, yes, we go out and we get the players that we want for the next four to five seasons, then, yes, I'm all for it. But when we need someone just to 
just to fill in the gap. And there's so many different opportunities to get them. And we don't do it. Like, what's the what's the point? And we're going to lose midfielders anyway. We're losing Cater, mm-hmm. Ox and Milner. We're going. Yeah. So, you know what, as well, like, just on this comment, I... I actually agreed with this with this before the season. I actually agreed with it. I was telling people, you know, they're not good enough. These players you're saying, unless they're top quality players, I don't want to, And I was wrong. I'll hold my hand up and say I was wrong. We, like you said, Ram, we're not asking for... Gen- we are, but like that's not what we need right now. What we need right now is players that are going to do their job better than Jordan Henderson, better than James Milner, better than Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, better than Fabinho as well. We've not mentioned him much. And even though I think the last few games he's been a bit better, but um, we're not asking for players that are going to come in and be generational and be here for 10 years. That will come in Jude Bellingham if we sign him. We need a, a Moises Caicedo or Amrabat or someone on that. I don't know who. I'm not a scout. I don't know the, the, the pool of players that are available for us. But what I do know and what Jurgen Klopp and Pep Lingers are clever enough to know is that the guys we have doing that job right now are not going to get us anywhere near close to anything this season. Top four is pretty much what we can hope for because we've got Real Madrid in the Champions League. There's no point even thinking about that game yet after what we've seen over the last couple of games. Um, again, I, I will never admit defeat, especially before a Champions League game because that's our tournament. Mm. But right now, I'm absolutely dreading that. And I just hope that, and we're going to finish in a minute because it, it's gone on too long, um, yeah. that the comments that Jurgen Klopp said about, he gets fed up, I've been asking about, all these, you know, new players, new signings. I just hope he's just saying it to try and keep somewhat of a good relationship with the owners. He doesn't actually think that. And this time, in two, three weeks' time, we'll be sat here with a midfielder because if not Ram, on their own head be it. If we don't get a midfielder, then I think we should just write off the season and say say hi what to What does that look Europa like for conference. you? Oh, Europe Conference League. League. Okay. Uh, wow. Challenging for four trophies. FA Cup run, maybe. Challenging for four trophies. For me, the minimum was, after knowing that the title was gone, was top four in FA Cup. I would have been, mm. I would have taken that. Like, 100%. cool. Cool. We, we, we did the minimum and we have something to build on. But now, I don't know. I really don't know. Hopeful, wishful thinking right now. I, I don't know where we can go from here. Mm-hmm. And Ali says, Ben, FSG are praying for UCL football. Invest then. Invest. If you need UCL football to get the most amount of money for your club, it makes sense to make a signing now. That's what That's um, why it don't make sense. It don't make sense. If you don't invest and we don't get UCL football, you won't get a lot of... Our, our value, the, club, the club's value will down. drop. And you'll lose money. So mm-hmm. I, there, Surely there should be something where FSG might be like, okay, we'll put this money into the club. But the next owners will have to pay that sum of money to us as like a compensation kind of thing so we can get our money back. Something along the lines of that so that they're not actually paying for it. It's actually the new owners that's paying for our, our current, our, for our plays in January. Like something like that could happen. But I don't know. I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. And that's a big problem at Liverpool. We don't know anything. Mm-hmm. And, You're and- right. Go on. Like any any fan that says, "Oh, we'll take it at face value," we will know Klopp BSs all the time. Klopp talks a load of BS. It's all mm-hmm. PR. When people say they don't know, where they think they think that this is happening, or go, go or again with his nonsense comments, I don't listen to it. I I don't because honestly, it's all PR. Everything he says is PR. That's how it is. And then he has these weird subliminal messages like. <laughs> Respectfully to everyone that wants to try and interpret everything, we know nothing that goes on in Liverpool Football Club mm. because that's how the club has made it to be. And all we can do exactly. is just guess. Exactly, mate. And let's just hope that something happens and, you know, uh, we'll be here to talk about it if it does. Um, we're going to wrap up here, guys, because an hour's gone extremely quick. Uh, we are, we are going to be back after the Wolves game probably on Sunday because uh, I'm going. So we will be back on Sunday to discuss this, preview whatever. If anything's changed, whatever. If we look like someone's coming in and you like the event, whatever, we'll be here to discuss it. Um, Ram, legend for jumping on once again, mate. Appreciate your time. And uh, it's been a great conversation once again with you. So really do appreciate that. Um, 
make sure you subscribe to the channel guys if you haven't already smash a like button because it helps us a lot and the podcasts are also available on spotify and apple big up ali mate uh, always here in every stream very very uh, much appreciated support from you uh take care guys and listen let's just hope things get better so yeah we will see you next time sports social podcast network